We're so thankful that you're here. It's been a while, hasn't it? It feels like I forgot even what Wednesday nights are like. Uh, it's been a, about a month since we've gotten a chance to go through the Book of Romans together. So you're in for as wild a ride as I am. Uh, the last time we met, we started the beginning part of chapter 5, and we actually had our missionary pastor Noah speak on that. Uh, he's the one doing a church plant in Slovakia that you guys met and heard about. And there was this one image that I just could not shake, and he, he gave that message so clearly. And the first part of chapter 5 is all about how much God loves us. I walked away remembering that all throughout that Christmas season, uh, just how much he loves us. Uh, we got to read about the joy that we actually get to have throughout the trials in life because of God's love for us. And we know that he's there in the midst of those troubles and trials. And we also got to hear about how we're saved by Jesus and made friends of God because of who Jesus is and what he has done. So that's the beginning part. And we're leading right up to what we're going to be studying tonight. We're going to be going through and hearing about not only how great Jesus is, one of my favorite things to hear and talk about, but we're actually going to hear about Adam, someone that we only study the, the beginning part of the Bible that unfortunately is getting brought up for something that he did not so great. So we get a chance to, to learn about that. And this is actually a pretty tough scripture that we're going to be going through because Paul is teaching and he's going on with this one idea and in the scripture, it seems like he kind of goes down a rabbit hole and he's like, I'm going to say something else, whatever comes to his mind. And then he starts going in that direction. And then finally, he starts to wrap up what he was trying to say in the first place. So it's going to be a little difficult to, to follow. He repeats himself a few times, but we're going to do this together. We're going to learn a lot and see what God has in store for us. But Paul's main point in this scripture that we're going to study tonight is we get a chance to look at two people. We're going to see a contrast between two guys, and it's going to be considered two team captains. We're going to see Team Adam on one side, and we're going to see Team Jesus on this other side. And we're going to see this contrast between each of those throughout all this scripture and how one person stood for something and another person stood for something completely different, and yet somehow they're all intertwined together. Every one of us, and not only in this building, every one of us in this world is connected to these two individuals we're going to be talking about tonight. There's two teams. There's two ways to go as it going through that, but that's a different sermon for a different day. But furthermore, all of us will reap the consequences of each of these people of who we associate with. We are going to find out what it means to be on Team Adam for the rest of our lives or what it means to accept Jesus and be a part of his team. We're going to see what our team captain has done. So if you guys can stand, I invite you to please stand as we honor the Word of God and open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, and we're going to be starting in verse 12 tonight. Verse 12 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for scriptures that hit us right between the eyes, that gives us a chance to understand what was going on this time and how it applies to us now. So we ask you to open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes, 
And let's, let us see something new from the scripture. Let us experience it in a way that helps us leave whatever we're dealing with behind and we can just learn from that and move forward. We're just excited to hear your word and what you have in store for us. So we lift this night up to you and we're excited to see what the future holds. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and Adam's sin brought death. So death was spread to everyone. It seems like an often uh, a new thing for me. I'm the gloom and doom guy, so I get to talk about my favorite thing, your guys' sin. This is great. Uh, I swear I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. I like most of you in here. Um, but yeah, we're, we're dealing with this. We're, we're a real church that talks about these real issues, and a real issue is sin and how we deal with these things. But we have a Savior in Jesus that helps making it understandable a lot better because of what he did for us. So we are going to learn about what it means tonight. So the first part, it says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. So Paul is starting off with Adam. And if we're going to study Adam then we have to go all the way back to where we first read about him, and that's in the book of Genesis. For those starting the Bible in a year plan, that's the very beginning. That's where you're going to start. And so we're going to look at what Genesis did, and we're actually going to get a bridge that takes us from the beginning of Genesis to where we are now in our own present day and age. So let's throw it back to the beginning and learn all about this character named Adam. So all of Genesis chapter 1 is this beautiful story about creation and how God had everything planned out. Everything was magnificent that he had, and everything was perfect. Genesis tells us that Adam lived in this beautiful land that was utterly perfect. He had a good thing going. In fact... God liked Adam so much, he decided to make a friend for him. So we have Adam and Eve, and they have everything perfect. Beautiful mountainsides, trees. They could experience all they want. It's all free rent. A great little garden. Little creatures that are really cute that probably talk to you running around. It's like a Disney story. They lived without shame. Adam took the light staring at Eve, who was perfect in his eyes. Everyone say, aw, aw. That's all Adam did all day was he'd probably just hang out and walk around and be like, wow, that's a really pretty tree. Hey, that's my smoking hot partner. Like, everything is perfect for Adam. He has nothing else that he has to do. There's no power struggles between them. There's nothing to fear. They're just having a grand old time. And then we read tonight... In verse 12, that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. So then Adam sinned, and then he rebelled against God. Sin corrupted his nature and Eve's nature and their perfect lives. They began to feel ashamed of their bodies, and the shame reached down to the depths of their souls. It changed the personalities that they had. They even hid from God. Things went to zero to a hundred real quick. Things went from perfect to something in such turmoil. 
sin had entered the world. A darkness had now entered this world, and that is not the glorious life that God had intended for us. That is not what he intended for humanity. And he refused to allow humanity to exist forever in this fallen state that we had now fallen into. So what happened? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So now, living forever in this perfect land was off the table because Adam sinned. Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden into a world where people eventually die because the sin was brought into the world. The story of Adam and Eve is not stuck in this far distant past. This isn't just something that we only see here because it's been brought forward to our everyday lives. It's a part of our story now. God intends us to understand that Adam and Eve represent humanity in today's day and age. Paul connects us to Adam and Eve with this bridge. We are now reached back, coming forward. Because of the actions of one person, everything in the world changed. As we go back to verse 12, Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So thanks a lot, Adam. Appreciate that. Uh, Adam's story is our story because, unfortunately, as we experienced a couple Sundays ago when I spoke, we all sin. So it is a part of our lives. Adam's death is our death because the wages of sin is death, which we'll read later on in Romans. Adam represents us all. All have fallen short of the glory of God. See, because Adam was here and Adam sinned. So Adam sinned and Eve sinned and I sinned and you sinned and then they sinned and you get sinned. Everybody gets sin. That's a Oprah. Everyone gets a car. Everyone gets sin. There's another meme in this message. So deal with this. I was so excited. I broke the record of getting two memes in one message. So everybody has sinned. Every human who has ever lived has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, it is everyone but one person. And we're going to get to that person a little bit later because I'm not done bashing on us a little bit more. So in verses 13 and 14 of Romans chapter 5, it says, Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. And from that time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. Now, sin was unknown in God's world before Adam disobeyed God's word in the Garden of Eden. But it became very much a part of the world, therefore, after Adam is mentioned as the guilty one rather than Eve because he was the one put in charge, so he's ultimately the one responsible. 
Thanks a lot, ladies. I appreciate you guys for doing that, too. When Adam sinned, he did, in fact, change. You notice this whole way and this difference about him. He was out in the open. He was celebrating God's beauty. He was just enjoying it all. And when he sinned, he suddenly started to hide and feel these emotions and get away from him. He changed from the inside out. He became a sinner with a sin nature drawing towards sin. And now we've realized that he's passed that on to his descendants. Everyone born of Adam from that day onward has been born in sin. This chance of sin was passed down in our our DNA, and now we've made it a part of our own makeup. We treat it as an everyday thing that's just going to be there. We say it's a part of everything that we've done. It's worked ourselves into our own makeup. As we read this, Adam passed it down. He passed down sin to everyone. So in the midst of all this gloom and doom, I want to do some table talk. And I want to change the direction a little bit. We're talking about Adam putting down sin for us, passing that down as a great inheritance. I want to talk about your own lives for a little bit. I want to make this into uh, something that you guys can understand and walk freely with. What characteristics have you been passed down to you? Have you picked up a good attribute from your mom? Have you been honorable because of your mom or very truthful? A bad reputation from your grandfather? Not to pick on grandfathers, etc. I just want to know what's going on in your lives. Like what has been passed down to you from your family? And different friends, different things you've picked up from other people. Because what we're talking about is Adam throwing this down, and we picked it up from him and kept running with it. So talk about your families. This doesn't have to be super biblical. Like you say, I got a great smile from my dad. Like, awesome. Just talk about it with your tables, get to know each other, and then we'll come back in just a few moments. So there's some good and some bad of things that are passed down from our ancestors that make up our our DNA. You know, my mom passed down a great sense of humor, a love of the arts for me. My dad passed down a a business drive and the ability to not show emotions at all in life. (laughs) Adam passed down sin and death for us. So some good, some bad, but just don't sit there uh, as you're hearing this message, hearing about how Adam sinned and he brought sin into this world and then he brought death. And don't just point the finger at Adam because we have something to do with it too. We have a chance to stop this whole cycle of sin and, and bring all these things out. Um, it doesn't always accomplish anything if we Monday quarterback and sit back in our chair and, and say, well, you did this wrong. So I heard this story a while back of this gentleman um, who did the very same thing. He was this old farm worker, and he was getting tired of taking care of the animals, working on the farm, plowing the fields. One of his big jobs was chopping wood. So he got tired day after day, year after year, of chopping wood. And so there was this one day that it was just blistering hot outside, and he went and took that axe and he slammed it down on a piece of wood and he said, thanks a lot, Adam. It's all your fault. And his boss just so happened to walk by because he was going to go inside and take a little break and get some water. 
And he went over to his worker, and he's like, well, what did you just say? Um, he said, I was just saying, if, if Adam wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have to be stuck here working off this community service time. I didn't have to be a part of this. I could just, you know, be in that house, hanging out. I could be sipping on lemonade and just enjoying things. And the boss man just sought, thought back for a second, and he looked at him, and he said, okay. That's what you want? Let's go. And so he walks him in the house. He takes him inside. He pours him an ice-cold glass of lemonade. He says, go ahead and stay here then. I'll go stay in the corral out back. But you stay here and enjoy yourself. And then as he was leaving, he goes and he gets this old cigar box. And he gets a cigar box and he puts it right on the table. And he says... Do what you want. Don't look at the box. And so, of course, I got this. And so a couple weeks do go by, and he's very much enjoying this. His feet is up. He's gone through gallons and gallons of lemonade, just enjoying life. But every time he gets up to go to the refrigerator to get another glass of lemonade, he walks by this little cigar box on this table. And even though he has everything else around him he could want, he's not working anymore. He's just enjoying life. He, he just looks. And you know what it is. Even if there's something weird and you're so concentrated, I do it all the time. You just see something out of a corner of your eye, you're like, I wonder what that is. And you'll just pay attention every single time. Then you won't want to look at it, but it'll make you look at it even more. And so he keeps getting up, and pretty soon he just said, well, you know, it's Starts shaking it and seeing and weighing it. I wonder what it could be. He has everything else that he ever needs right now. But he's still worried about this one little box that he was told not to open. And so finally he says, you know what? What's it going to hurt? So he goes and he, he opens up this corner and he sees this little piece of paper. He said, well, now I need to know what the paper says. And so he just he opens it up. And he, he sees this piece of paper. He says, I got you, you joker. Now get back to chopping wood. <laughs> yeah, so, so good. So Adam, <laughs> Adam Sin, you can point the finger at him all you want, but who knows if you would have done anything different if you were in his situation. Yeah, so good. Um, <laughs> if we go back to verse 14 after that wonderful story, <laughs> we see... Um, Something that Paul's trying to state. So we're over here pointing the finger at Adam for him bringing the sin into this world. And at the end of 14 it says, Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. So that's something interesting to me. Adam is now a symbol. So the one that just sinned and brought death over all of us is a representation of Christ who is yet to come. So if you're pointing the finger at Adam, for him sinning, you're actually pointing a finger at yourself because we just heard that we're descendants of Adam, and now we're hearing that Adam is a representation of Christ, so you're pointing a finger at Christ, and so you're pointing a finger, you guys don't know memes at all. <laughs> this is like, this is classic 2019, because it's the same person. All right, so they're all pointing at each other. The other reference was the office where they're all pointing at each other too. I didn't think you'd know that either. So 
All right. So you're all pointing a finger. Though we're all intertwined is what I'm trying to say. You're pointing a finger at Adam. You're pointing a finger at yourself. You're pointing a finger at Jesus because somehow we're all intertwined in this way. Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ. So Paul has been talking about Adam, but what he really wants to talk about is Jesus Christ. So this little statement about Adam being a symbol of Christ leads his readers to that. This is the hinge on which the text swings. Adam, the first man, the one we have just been reading about, is a symbol. Some texts say a type or a pattern, the foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And how do we get there? I mean, these two people I thought were just completely different. On one side we have Adam, who is the head of the fallen people. And on the other side we have Christ, who is head of the redeemed people. Just as Adam's one sin brought death to all of his descendants, Christ's one act of obedience going to the cross brings righteousness and life to all who are with him. Paul is using these two men side by side, a tale of the tape, because by doing so, he believes that we will understand and cherish the justifying work of our Lord Jesus Christ better alongside seeing of what Adam did. And so we will admire Christ and trust Christ and love Christ more. And by in turn doing that, God will be honored even more so. So let's see how the tail of the tape measure up and these two men that we've been reading about now size up to each other. In Romans chapter 5 verse 15, it says, But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Okay, back to what we were talking about earlier. Adam represents us all. We have all have this sin. It's all been brought into. I'm hammering it over the head. We all have this sin brought in. Every human who's ever lived has sinned and fallen short of the glory to God. Except now we read of this one man that has not. And that man is Jesus Christ. The one man brought death This other man brought us forgiveness. If we sit back saying and pointing a finger at Adam, like you brought this sin in here, it's impossible for me to get away from. How am I going to change this DNA makeup of sin being in my life? It's not possible. It can't be done. If it's passed down, it's passed down, and I just have to live with it. Well, I have an argument for that. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, This one person we've been reading about now. It says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. The Son of God took on the flesh of Adam. Jesus lived on the earth, facing the same challenges we face. He lived in a family. He lived in community with people who later in his life tried to push him off a cliff and get rid of him. He was tempted to sin many times. People in power despised him and tried to bring him down. The friends he trusted most misunderstood him and abandoned him in his time of need. And finally, he was betrayed by a friend, condemned by a corrupt system of justice, booed and picked on by a crowd and hung on a cross to die. 
Only then was his human body raised and transformed into a spiritual body that would never die. Yet he did not sin. He was perfect in every way, and he was greater than sin. So through Adam, Adam brought death to many with that one sin, but through Jesus and by God's grace and the perfect sinless sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven of those sins. We have a chance to leave the sins completely behind because of who Jesus is and what he did in our lives. Jesus rewrites a story on what Adam did in the beginning of time. As we continue on with our text in verses 16 and 17, it said, And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Remember when things are repeated over and over and over again, the author is trying to Bring a point home. He's trying to give you something to hold on to, to remember. It's very important. And as I read this over and over, I see this gift that was given to us. This most perfect gift that you could ever imagine. God's grace, God's forgiveness, and God's love. We can hold this amazing gift that God has graciously given to us in our own very fingertips all because of God's grace through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus rewrote the story moving forward. I want to go back to Hebrews one more time to, to bring this text into view. In chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could die, could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Jesus came down and became flesh to teach us. Jesus became flesh to help fight our fights that we are going through. Jesus became flesh to set us free. Jesus became flesh to save us. Jesus became flesh to be an example. Jesus became flesh to offer forgiveness to each and every one of us. How does Jesus' victory over sin and death change us from the inside out? How does Jesus' death change what happened, what Adam brought into our lives? How does he rewrite everything? And why does he do it? I think the best way is to put it in terms that we can understand. This is a lot of text that we're going through. And the way that I began to see it is taking it through the eyes of a parent. Of what's actually going on. Why did Jesus come down to help us, to set us free of these things? And I, I want to transform us. I want you to imagine that you have a, a teenager in your life. Maybe you have one grown up already. 
but someone 15, 16, 17, 18. And that teenager is struggling at school. That teenager has more homework than you can ever imagine. You see them coming home very tired and weary. Teachers don't have as much compassion for them. Your child is being bullied and they're not handling it well. They're being influenced by the pressures of society and the norm that we've now brought into this world and this unhealthy culture. You see their once bright attitude deteriorating in front of your very eyes. In fact, the problems they've been facing, they've now brought it in in their own self-inflicted wounds. They're starting to change completely from the inside out because of what has happened, that they, they start this whole spiral of effect and going down this dark road. So what can you do as a parent to help this teenager in your life? Can you write a scathing letter to a principal? Can you go down and start yelling at people? Can you give your child advice and encouragement? Or can you ground them to maybe help with some of their behavioral issues? You could try to shield them from the cultural changes happening all around us. Nothing seems to work. Suppose you could take their identity. Suppose that you could go into the school for them. And you can start taking care of the homework, finishing it early because you already have learned it before. And you can start taking care of it for them. You'd begin to stand up to the bullies in life. You'd be able to stand through the test of time of all the bad stuff that culture throws at you because you know that you can make it through at the end. You could apologize to the people that you have wronged and try to make right with all the things that have been going on. You would stand up for truth and righteousness. It wouldn't be easy to assume their identity. You'd have to take the mind of a hormonal teenager walking through life. Things not, might not go as planned. You might actually get picked on yourself. You might actually get thrown down and, and beat up yourself. But in growing through all that, you would be giving your kid a great gift. A new identity to walk through. You would be able to help them. No longer would they be caught in that spiral that was dragging them down. They can lean into a new life. The old life that they had been trying to go through themselves is now dead. And they get to step into a new life that had been gifted to them. By someone looking out for them. And teaching them. And the hope that they will grow and flourish just like the person you always knew they were. That you could see them turning into the person that you always imagined and hoped for. This analogy is imperfect, but this is something very similar to what Christ did for our lives. He humbled himself to take on our human identity. In his perfect sinless life, he broke out the spiral of sin and death that had controlled us ever since Adam's beginning. In his death, he took the powers of evil that controlled the people around him. And by overcoming this power of sin and death in his resurrection, he opened up a new way of life for us. In verses 18 and 19, it says, Yes, Adam's one sin, sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God. 
and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. So let's focus on this kind of life Christ gives us. The word of the day is righteousness or righteous. It's something we just read, like I said, repeated a few times. It means getting life right. A right relationship moving forward. Sin and then death brought upon from that sin is not good and it's not right. But Jesus is righteous and he makes it possible for us to get right. He makes that bridge happen. Those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of God's righteousness will reign all in life through Jesus Christ. By that one righteous act on the cross, it results in justification for all of God's people. So through the obedience of Jesus, many will be made righteous. Jesus took on sin and death to make humanity right again. He made the bridge from us to God. We are now made righteous. When we are caught in a corruption, a lies, a stance against the odd, all these addictions, we stay in this Adam's mindset. We need to break free of this whole image of who Adam was and what we always think. The DNA makeup is, is done in the past. We need to be ready to walk through that. No more sticking in this Adam mindset of life. We walk in the newness of what Jesus has promised us. Adam failed in his obedience but Christ succeeded perfectly. Adam was a source of sin and death, but Christ was a source of obedience and life. When we realize that Jesus gave us the keys to the throne room and we aren't controlled by the sinful nature anymore, we walk with the righteous power of what God has given us. So now I say I'm dead to that old life and living in the power of our new future. When we look at fear, shame, anxiety, or depression, we look to Jesus and say, death shall not reign in me. Grace shall reign in making me right. Adam caused all this sin and all this pain, but because of Jesus, we have been made right. But I'm going to close with this. Our work's not done. Jesus set the ground rules for us, but Paul put some terms in here so that we would pay attention because it takes some work on our part too. You're needed for this equation. We have a chance to be good. We have a chance to accept Jesus. We have a chance to accept this righteousness. Verse 19 says, many will be made righteous. That's not everyone. There's many of us that have this chance to be made righteous. That's where real faith comes into play. We zip back up to verse 17 where it says, for all who receive it. That's not everybody. We need to be sure of where we are and how we stand. What team we're standing there represented. If we're going with Team Adam or if we're sticking with Team Jesus. Our final verses are verses 20 through 21. It says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace reigns supreme when we put our faith in Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. 
That assures us of eternal life through Jesus Christ and what he did. Just as surely as Adam's sin brings death, Christ's finished work on the cross brings a right standing before God and eternal life. Now that's something to celebrate. The grace is free. The gift is free. The righteousness is free. Will you receive it and hope and treasure of your life? One gave us death and one rescued us from that. And no one can ever be taken with that. In John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29, it says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. We are right in the father's hand, right where he wants us. He conquered sin and death and now we have a chance to live a righteous life with him. So look to Jesus Walk with him, learn his ways, and leave that past where it's supposed to be. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a chance to learn from our mistakes. To see where someone has fallen in the past and how you actually come down to fix all of that. That you never leave us behind. That you continuously look out for us. That you're waiting for that one moment where we begin to reach out and reach to you and move closer to you. So Lord, I ask you to continue to break these chains, break this sin and break these addictions, break these feelings. Lord, let us just know that we're walking with you. We walk with power, we walk with righteousness. So we thank you for your life. We thank you for your perfect sacrifice and all you do for us. It's your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.